Hello and welcome. The following interview was recorded live with a call-in audience as part of a homeschooling how-to marathon hosted by homeschool.com. These how-to classes cover eclectic homeschooling, Christian homeschooling, homeschooling through high school, homeschooling the special needs child, you name it. For the complete list of homeschooling how-to classes, please visit www.homeschool.com and click on the button on the left that says Homeschooling How-To Classes. These call-in classes are free, so please subscribe to homeschool.com's e-newsletter and we will notify you of the next live event. Thank you. My name is Rebecca Kokenderfer. I will be your uh, host for this interview. I'm the senior editor and co-founder of homeschool.com. And with us today is Christine Field. And Christine Field uh, practiced law for eight years before becoming a full-time mommy. Uh, she and her husband live at and homeschool their four children in Wheaton, Illinois, where her husband serves as chief of police. Uh, three of their four children are adopted, one through a private adoption and two are from Korea. They are also active foster parents. Uh, Christine is the author of several books, including... Coming Home to Raise Your Children by Fleming Revelle in 1995, Should You Adopt, which she wrote in 1997, uh, A Field Guide to Homeschooling, which she wrote in 1998, and Life for Kids. Uh, we're talking with her today about her uh, book, Help for the Harried Homeschooler, about how to avoid homeschool burnout. And Christine served as senior correspondent and resource room columnist for the Old Schoolhouse magazine. We just spoke with Gina Suarez before this, who is the publisher of that magazine. And uh, Christine also, her work regularly appears at Crosswalk.com, Lifeway.com, Hearts of Home magazine, and the Proverbs 31 filmmaker and others. I'm sure many of you are familiar with her work. So uh, please uh, welcome Christine M. Field. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. I think it's so funny when you when people talk about that lawyer stuff because I'm a recovering lawyer now. Oh. I'm, in, I'm in recovery. I'm feeling a lot better now. <laughs> You're a recovering lawyer? I'm a recovering lawyer. I'm a kinder, gentler person, really, Rebecca. I am. I know. I feel the same way. <laughs> I, used to, I used to be a first-time, full-time workaholic, but kids kind of mellow you out, don't There you go. They do so much for us. Well, that's wonderful. So I, I definitely, we, we're going to speak today. Um, today's focus is on uh, Christian homeschooling, mm-hmm. and for the people who are new onto the call, I want to uh, let them know that uh, they can mute their call. We'll go back and forth from having a live call into having a quieter interview. All of these calls are being recorded, so uh, bear that in mind when you uh, share your personal information. Uh, we hope to make the recordings available beginning in September on homeschool.com. Uh, so today, how to avoid homeschool burnout mm-hmm. and uh, boy it's such an, an important topic don't you think christine because so oh. many times people start out doing with the best of intentions but they kind of make it hard on themselves and they give up something that could have been really wonderful for them oh you know i agree totally and the whole topic of burnout is kind of like homeschooling's dirty little secret you know we all go through seasons of it but it's like nobody wants to talk about it because we want to have this front that homeschooling is just this wonderful experience 24-7. And, yes, it is a wonderful experience, but it's also stressful and difficult and challenging. Like life itself? 
like life itself. And parenting. Just just being a mom is hectic enough, but I like to say as homeschoolers, we're mom multiplied. You know, you think about all the different roles that you play. You know, you're a mom and a teacher and a wife and a, a cook and a prayer warrior and you're a church member and the bookkeeper and the nurse. And many owning their own businesses, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And then some people do these, do internet radio interviews like you do and, and run websites and write books and run magazines and all the while trying to be uh, wives and mothers. So are we basically crazy people? I think maybe we are. We're, we're, <laughs> <laughs> some days I really think we are. Uh, I, I, I'm probably a little bit older than some of your listeners, but I remember this television show called The Ed Sullivan Show, where they would have this fellow on here, and he'd be, he'd have these, these glass plates on these very tall sticks, and he'd be spinning them, and he'd have like about 50 plates going all at once, and they'd all be spinning away wonderfully, and just every once in a while, someone, someone would, one would start to, start to teeter a little bit, and he'd just tap it, and it would go straight again. And he'd be able to keep all these plates up in the air. And I think that's what life sometimes feels like as a homeschooling mom. We've got all these plates spinning. And in my house, sometimes the plates are like flying across the room, <laughs> and it's totally crazy. <laughs> so so the question, the, the question of balance for all of us is how do we keep all of our plates spinning all at once, you know, without getting ulcers or making us crazy? That's right, because homeschooling is more of a marathon than a sprint, don't you think? It is. It's a you gotta, marathon. You got to pace yourself and take good care of yourself. We're in it for the long haul. But yeah. sometimes, you know, as moms, have you ever, Rebecca, have you ever described yourself as a need meter? I want to say that again, a need meter. One of the children or your husband, they need well, something, what well, do they do? They go see mom, right? Right. What do you need? Take this, take this, take this. And if you're in that in that mode, so too very long, you kind of resort to being a mechanical mom. You're like, here you go. What do you want? Here's That's this. Right. What do you in want? In efficiency mode. You're in, yeah, you're in efficiency mode, and there's no love there. There's yeah. no tenderness. You're just kind of mechanical, and you're just depleting yourself even further. And I think if we're if we're not careful to manage our own personal resources appropriately, we really run the risk of burning out for homeschool. I have a friend who was a, a pastor for a long time, and he he describes his experience. He says that he burned for Jesus. You know, he uh, he joined the ministry just with the fire in his belly and with a passion for the Lord, and not managing his personal resources appropriately, he burned out. You know, we're not doing anyone a favor if we're exhausting ourselves, making ourselves sick, uh, not having any fun. What kind of a role model is that, being the martyr parent? Right. That's certainly, I don't think that's what our goal is for our, our children. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that's part, a lot of the problem comes with um, what our sort of our package of expectations is that we come to homeschooling with. You know, we're, some of us are so unrealistic. We have these just incredibly <laughs> high goals for our children and these just un, unmeetable expectations of ourselves. That's true. Well, we read about the famous homeschoolers, you know, the homeschool teen recently whose book is on the bestseller list. Oh, how wonderful. And it is wonderful. And, of course, all that is possible. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that, you know, every homeschool child is going to go to Harvard. No, they're not. Some of and them our, are And our houses be... are going to be perfectly clean, and right. we're going to make millions of dollars, all while being perfect parents and perfect homeschoolers. Most of us are going to be quite ordinary, aren't we? <laughs> In fact, my husband and I always joke with each other. Uh, we had a friend accuse us of having a high tolerance for chaos. Oh, I love it. Yeah, and it's true. And we take pride in it because, of course, we've got millions of kids, millions yeah. of kids, and we work, and we homeschool them, yeah. and the house isn't always clean. And we, as we said, we've lowered our staff. Oh, yes, because, they, you know, you have to focus on the, the things that are important. 
I, I love that the author, Richard Swenson, have you heard of him? He no, in fact, would you, every time you mention a book today, I want people to be able to have a pad of paper and a pen there, because oh, you're going to give them such fabulous resources. Would you uh, spell his name and give the title of the book? He's actually a physician. His name is Richard Swenson, S-W-E-N-S-O-N. He wrote a book called Margin. M-A-R-G-I-N. It's not a homeschooling book. It's about finding balance in our life, ah. margin. And he says that we run into trouble when we, when we go out on this limb of frantic activity and we're overcommitted and we risk losing everything. And what do we do when we're out there? We, we look to God and we say, help, right? Well, how did we get there? Who got us there? <laughs> you know, sometimes I think God laughs at us and says, you know, you're doing so far from anything I ever asked of you. Yeah. Um, I love what it says in Proverbs 123. It says, if you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. Or in other words, God says to us, if only we have, if only we would listen, he would pour out his heart to us. Yes. You know, I and mean, I, I, how often do I say that to my kids? You know, if only you would listen, I might spare you some pain. Well, here's God who knows all, sees all, knew us from before we were. He says the same thing. If only you would listen to me. I will show you how to manage all this, you know? Oh, I love that. You know, Terry Camp, in our uh, first interview, she says she she prays for each one of her children in the morning, keeps a little prayer log, and then she kind of feels directed. Whatever direction she receives, she works out in that log, and that's how she builds her homeschooling off of that. Mm, so she wonderful. feels kind of guided to... Okay, your your child, your son needs to be more of a man. Yeah. And then she thinks, okay, I better start having him come and unload the groceries and open the door yeah. for me. Yeah. So she feels kind of uses a guided approach to her homeschool. Oh, I thought that was so a lovely wonderful. idea. That's so wonderful. And 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 you know, God's faithful. If we spend that time in quiet meditation and prayer for our children, he he will show us the way that we need to go. But but I, I'm more I'm more concerned about moms in this particular conversation because I think you know we're we're all so worried about being a good enough homeschooler you know what what does being a good enough homeschooler mean it doesn't mean we have to you know teach teach Sunday school and volunteer in the community and be a gourmet cook I I don't think so I I think that being a good enough homeschooler means rec- realizing that we have to stay sane yes. <laughs> and realizing that we can't do it all and we can't And enjoy the journey, for goodness sake. Oh, yes. I, I think about sometimes, I, I used to think that you could have it all. In fact, there was a time when, you know, by the world standards, when I did have it all, I was practicing law, I had a nice office, and I had a loyal secretary and a bunch of clients. But I also had two little girls who were at the babysitters at the daycare center who were depending on me. Um, I worked until my first two children were two and six months old. Yes. And uh, I barely remember that time. I barely remember the clients that I served because my heart was so torn between wanting to be with them. And plus, I had a husband, you know, who kind of barely remembered what it was like to get some attention from me, you know. And, I, and I, I've had it all, and having it all felt like not having anything. Of course, and it isn't I, just the moms who get burned out, too. I mean, the dads, too, homeschooling dads tend to be very involved. So they're, you know, they're working hard to put bread on the table, you know, as yeah. are the wives, too, right. and then trying to be good parents. I mean, it's just, it's a big job. It is. And, and we just need to be reminded that we're finite, you know, and sometimes we're just, we're just too busy for doing all the things that we think we want to do or the things that we need to do. You know, we need to remember that we have limitations. Our, our time and our energy are finite. I mean, we just can't do everything that we think we want to do. So, do you, I mean, do you think it's worth it? Oh, absolutely. Quitting absolutely. your job, giving up the income, homeschooling the kids? Oh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. 
I was created for the world, but I have tremendous admiration for people who do try to balance it all and, and, and are given the grace and the patience and the energy to do it. Of course, as I always think, too, um, I don't do it all at the same time. You know, sometimes the kids are absolutely number one, and sometimes, like this week, when there's kind of an intense schedule, my family knows, oh, I better really focus on work this week. Right. You know, right. so really it is kind of like a juggling which plate's on the top and kind of changing that. Right, it is. And and, and fortunately, if we have if we have spouses who will support us in that, we're, we're tremendously lucky. I really like um, um, there's a, a, a teacher, writer kind of person in the homeschooling community named Inga Cannon, and she, she said in one of her sessions that, uh, a need, however com- compelling, doesn't constitute a call. And I love that. I think about that all the time because I, when I look at the priorities of my life, the priorities of my day, what is the Lord calling me to do this day? And if I focus on what that call is, then I can have ten different needs come to my attention. But if I'm not called to meet them, then I am freed up. I'm given the freedom and the space and the energy to attend to my call, which right now is being a homemaker, a wife, and a homeschooler. Which is really pretty much, don't you think, knowing your priorities and setting your priorities and living your life on purpose? Absolutely right. Absolutely because in the information right. age, my goodness, we're bombarded with so many messages all the time. We could, we could spend our, our whole day just putting out fire. And it makes us doubt what we're doing. You know, we see what other people are doing and what other people seem to be capable of and how everything can be new and better and more special and more wonderful. And we think, huh, (laughs) what's wrong with what I'm doing? You know, sometimes I think we need to have blinders on and just focus on what the Lord has called us to do. Well, Christine, Uh, let's talk about some of the common causes. Like you said, the dirty little secret of homeschooling. Let's talk about some of the common causes for burnout and then how to avoid that. Yeah. Well, we've talked about our expectations of ourselves. You know, we need to accept our limitations. But I think we also need to talk about our expectations of our kids. You know, have you ever said, have you ever found yourself saying to your kids, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. (laughs) Constantly. Hurry up, get in the van. Hurry up, let's go. Get in the car. Yes, we want to hurry up and give them all these wonderful experiences, right? We want them to hurry up and grow up and hurry up and be the perfect homeschool kid, you know? And I, I, I ran into some real trouble with this, and I, I am, I'm very, very transparent with my struggles because I think that we, all, we can all learn from them. But with my oldest child, I had kind of become this joyless fault finder with her. Oh, yeah. You know, I, it, I know, it's just so sad. I, I would look out on the homeschooling landscape, you know, and I'd see these perfect kids. You know, they're well groomed, and they've got scholarships to Harvard. You know. And then I look at my own kids and I kind of want them to shape up, you know, hey guys, come on, shape up, shape up. So I I just, I kind of picked mercilessly at my oldest daughter and I I sort of came close to losing her. And um, I had to repent to her uh, that I had become idolatrous uh, looking at other people's kids. And I wasn't appreciating that the God, that with the gift that God had given me in her, with her unique talents and abilities. And just say, okay, what what has God given you, and how are we going to work with it? What are we going to do with this? You know? Yeah, it's like kind of setting the personal goal that okay, for every, you know, out of ten, eight of the things I say need to be positive and mm-hmm. focus on what the child is doing right, and then maybe two criticisms, and then the criticisms doing them privately and gently. Right, and that's really probably a, a good ratio. And with love, you know, I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. Yes, and 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 what do most of us do? We give our kids. Oh, you know, it's the opposite. We give our kids um, such minimal positive, and most of it is negative. Yeah. So uh, I, I was very convicted of that with my daughter. Um, I think we need high expectations because, you know, God's expectations are high 
for our children and for us. God has outrageously expectations for us to be godly people. But I also think we need to have realistic expectations. Of course, when our babies are born, we look at them and they're so perfect. Then they become human and we realize, oh, they're, they're flawed. <laughs> they're sinners. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe this one's an ADHD. Maybe this one's got a vision problem. You know, yeah. everybody's got something and the key is you just don't let it stop you. Exactly. You just move. I like the analogy of the football field. My husband says, are we moving the kids down the field? You know, we might not score a touchdown every day. And it, might oh. not, it might not always be a stellar day with, you know, a wonderful pass or a fabulous kick. But are we moving down the field, small ways, slowly but surely moving down the field? So we Love wanna, that. We want to celebrate the progress instead of the perfection. Okay, so, so one of the challenges then uh, is um, having unreasonable expectations about uh, the being perfectly clean all the time, the children being perfectly <laughs> groomed all the time, having a perfect homeschooling day every day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so just kind of getting a, a bracing reality check, if you will. A bracing reality check, but finding joy in it. Not like, oh my gosh, this is what I've got to deal with, but yes. rather, oh my gosh, look at what God's given me. You Plus, know, I mean, if we enjoy ourselves all along the way, yeah. my goodness, we have nothing to regret. Absolutely. But if and you're always putting off enjoying today for some, some big goal that you think is going to happen in the future, you might just go across the finish line and not even celebrate. And feel like you've missed the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Where did it go? <laughs> what happened to these last 10 years, you know? So what's one of the solutions for that on the expectations? I, I think, again, just having realistic expectations. You know, really studying your children, praying for your children, like Terry Camp said, asking the Lord to show you what are the things that they need, what are the shortcomings in their lives that you need to work on. But on the other hand, what are the strengths that you can work with and really encourage them in so that they can become what the Lord has planned for them? You know, and I think portfolios are also a nice way of celebrating along the way. Yeah. Because you're collecting, you know, reports that they have written, pictures that they have drawn. You're taking photographs of them on field trips or working on these fabulous projects. And so it kind of, it's a nice reminder that, oh, we're, we're doing something. We're doing something really neat. Yes. We, we, we sort of keep portfolios. We keep notebooks. And it's so much fun over the summer to go back and kind of sort out last year's stuff. <laughs> you know, we're certainly, well, we live in Illinois, which is a very liberal home uh, state in which to homeschool. But it's it's so much fun to look back and say, "Well, my goodness, look at look at how you were writing at the beginning of the year, and then at the end of the year, look at this paragraph that you composed, and this is just fabulous. And look at what's in your heart. Look what the things you were worried about in September, and all of a sudden in May, these things seem like nothing to you. I know that it's is a, true, isn't it? It's a great way to kind of benchmark things for your kids and for yourself. What is that? What has someone said before? Um, who never got angry about something, goes, I just think about it. Is this going to be a big issue five years from now? That's right. And the answer is no, then let it go. Yep, that's right. The clean room that you want your daughter to have, that you want your teenage daughter to have, <laughs> yeah. is not a big deal, is it? <laughs> and sometimes going out and playing ping pong with the kids is more important than doing the dishes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so solution number one, write it down, folks. <laughs> solution number one is be kinder to yourself and have more reasonable expectations. Solution number two is uh, catch your kids being good. You know, try to keep track of what it is that we say and make sure that that, that ratio, that two to eight ratio, that eight good things we, we notice and maybe two criticisms. Mm -hmm. So for every two criticisms we say, we have to catch them being good eight times. Mm -hmm. Then also, you know, we talk about that um, sometimes we're mean to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Don't you think we have that little devil that sits on our shoulder that's criticizing us all the time? I'm not good enough. 
Oh my gosh, it's just terrible. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm going to ruin these kids. Have you ever said that one to yourself? Oh my gosh, horrible things. I say horrible things to myself, at least I used to in the past, that I would never say to somebody else. Yes. Or you look in the mirror and you say, oh my God, I'm so fat, or I'm so this, I'm so that. My goodness, we just must stop that immediately. Yes. And it, but it's hard to do, and I think, you know, we, we always need to, to, to make sure that we are spiritually connected. I mean, that, for me, as a Christian homeschooler, that's the source of everything. Uh, whether I have a good day or a bad day is, are my husband and I, are, are we spiritually nourished ourselves so that we can give that and live that out to our children? I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the foundation for everything. I love that. Solution number three, stay spiritually connected. Yep. Yep. And number four, to stay rooted in gratitude. Oh, is that the truth? You know, being being grateful for all the wonderful blessings we have in our life. Yeah. And celebrating along the way. I like your analogy with the football field. You may not make a touchdown every day, but are you moving them down the That's field? That's right. That's right. And then when those touchdown moments come, really celebrate them. <laughs> Memorialize now, them. It's one of the other causes of burnout is for the um, homeschool parent, it tends to be the mom, who uh, overstructures. Yeah. So they, uh, you know, wake up at five in the morning and uh, you know have to write down everything that's going to be done that day, and then cooking a gourmet breakfast and mm-hmm. having the house spotlessly cleaned, yeah. and you know running a rigid schedule all day, and then correcting papers at night. No time for you know the, to develop the marriage. Going to bed mm-hmm. exhausted. Mm-hmm. Now I now we are not rigid. However, we do schedule. <laughs> yes. In fact, I guess in fact I was going to correct myself too. Because yes. people all have a different comfort level of how much structure they need in their lives. I think there's kind of a grace-filled schedule. <laughs> say that More again? Of, there's, there's sort of a grace-filled schedule. We like to say we have a flow to the day. Ah. That is, we generally all do math first, and then we do move on to other things like language arts, and we usually do science and history in the afternoon, so we sort of have a flow to the day. But that can start at 8 o'clock in the morning, it can start at 7, it can start at 10. Um, so we do schedule, but it's a very grace-filled schedule. Oh, I like that. And is it flexible, too, if you have relatives who come in from out of town? Or Absolutely. You have or what if, someone, do? what if someone is sick? I mean, two summers ago, we um, so sat at the bedside of my sister, who was in the process of dying. And, uh, boy, the children learned a lot from that. We totally abandoned our schedule for that because... Gosh, that was a life lesson that, yeah. that I couldn't teach them from a book. What else do you think is another cause of burnout? Is it with the, the mothers um, not taking care of themselves enough? I do. I do. And I'm going to get to that. Um, I, I have some real specific um, suggestions about that. Um, you know, if you think about stress, we're sort of like on this roller coaster in homeschooling. We're sort of on, and it's really really a biological roller coaster you know we have these um mo- these days that are just um so exciting and so demanding and you know the kids need everything and there's just a million details and you've got so much on your mind so you're just in this high high level of stress right and then what happens when you come down from that high level of stress it's like a huge down downward um, path on a roller coaster. You just go, shoom, you go down. Uh. And you go from this intense daytime uh, thing of always being on call. You know, and it's sort of like this this concept of physics. You know, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Yeah. So we're in this really high stress state, and then we let down. And that's usually in the evenings and on the weekends, right? When we kind of yeah. let our guard down. 
and you and, drop. And we're we're kind of tired, tired and detached, and maybe even a little apathetic. And and during the day, during our homeschooling day, we're you know we're alive and we're energetic and we're involved and we're alert. But you know, it's a concept of physics. You're going to come down at some point. Hmm. You know, for like a pendulum for that. Sort of like a pendulum with your energy. Yeah. You've got this high level of caring and commitment on this one end where the pendulum swings really high. And it's going to swing back to the other way when we're kind of apathetic and tired and detached. And I, and I never really understood this before, but it, it sort of really changed the way I live, you know, because the, 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 the way that I would live before would be to just put so much energy into everything and then just not be prepared for that really what's a biological response when you kind of let down and things slow down for a while. Ah. So... Um, the, the thing is, how are we going to manage kind of those downtimes? You kind of for pacing yourself. Yeah, it's sort of like pacing yourself. It really is, because you know, we we can all give examples of when we're in that downtime, when we're in that kind of tired and <laughs> detached time, when we just like don't have an original thought. I remember one time I went to the grocery store and I was just really tired, really burned out. And the, the lady said, "You want paper or plastic?" And I said, "Well, I just can't decide. I've been deciding <laughs> things all day long. Don't ask me to make another decision." And I thought, "Wow, <laughs> I'm in really bad shape here. Yeah, I'm maxed out. Yeah, I need to look at how I'm uh, how I'm living my life here." So recognizing, so so for me, recognizing that that was a, a biological response. And then I needed to kind of look at that bottom half of that cycle a little more. Ah. Because the upper half of the cycle was great. You know, I'm involved and excited and and, uh, just really into the homeschooling, really into the kids. But that lower half, you know, I I was dealing with that in really unhealthy ways. You know, watch television, eat too much ice cream, right? Mm. Drink caffeine. Drink caffeine, spend too much time on the Internet. Yeah. And uh, so those are kind of the, the... the negative ways of dealing with it. What's the more positive way of dealing with that then? You can kind of note the pattern, be aware of it? Be aware of it. That certainly is, is part of it. Um, but I, I, I want to talk about a little bit more about really why that happens oh, uh, to women because I, I think this is, this is just so important. And, and every time I talk about this at a, a, a talk or a seminar or something, it just really strikes a nerve with people. And that is that we get so invested in this homeschooling role. Now, I, I'm super invested in being a homeschooling mom. Don't get me wrong. But we, I sometimes think we over-invest in it. And so, therefore, we become under-invested in what we used to do, you know? Ah. And I call it the used to syndrome. syndrome used to, U-S-E-D, to, used to. <laughs> oh. The used to syndrome. What are the things you used to do before you homeschooled? Well, for me, it was I used to ride my bike, I used to cross-stitch, I used to read Irish literature. You know, what are the things you used to do? Do you have any, any, anything you'd like to share about what you used to do? I mean, like you're giving up, uh, like, your own interests. I, I like to think of role model parenting. I, I like to live my life fully so the kids can see me having a wonderful time. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, how do I tell them, now, I want you to grow up and go out there and really pursue your goals and your dreams if I'm not pursuing my own goals? And right. Dreams? Right, but not you. Not not everyone has that concept, though, Rebecca. They it's 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 um. I see more of an overinvestment and and not pr- preserving that well-roundedness. And when yes. we don't, because feeling like it's selfish, but really it's selfing. It's, absolutely, taking right. care of ourselves. It's not mean we're being selfish. 
because when we don't do that, it really impacts our, our sense of self. You know, most people, when they start homeschooling, they're really well-rounded. They've got themselves. They've got Maybe they've got a hobby and they're involved in church. Maybe they have a sport. They have friends. Maybe they volunteer and do crafts. Uh, and But then after a while, the demands of homeschooling, especially if you have a lot of children, it kind of becomes, well, there's myself, and there's homeschooling, and then there's church. And these other things often, often, not all the time, but often fall off the radar screen for homeschoolers. Of course, isn't no a powerful word? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely a powerful word to yeah. preserve that time for yourself. When I learned how to say no, my, my goodness, it just changed my world. Yes. I say thank you so much. I'm honored to be asked. I'm afraid I can't do that at this time. I love that. I, yeah. I, I use that more than I would care to admit. <laughs> yes. But, but, you know, we have to. Right. Because we're, you know, we're all so lucky out there. There's a world of opportunities, and you can't do everything all at the same time. Right, right. But, but for, for those of us who didn't learn that right off the bat, you know, and we have become kind of less than multidimensional, um, what happens when, when homeschooling is tough, you know? Um, we, we, this is where the burnout comes in. We feel very vulnerable and we're very emotionally at risk, you know? We kind of focus on, on control. I've seen so many moms mm-hmm. get into this sort of controlling mode with their kids where they just, you know, they want to control Everything, you know, everything from the things that they should control, like who they're associating with and what they're reading and what they're watching. You know, we should exercise control over that. But sometimes it steps over the border. You know, you control, well, this child should sit up straighter, and I don't like the way you're holding your pencil, and I don't like the way uh, you're doing this. And, and, and that's, sometimes that's because we're just so emotionally at risk because we're bottomed out emotionally from homeschooling. Well, do you think it's, uh, do you think you worry about parents, um, especially moms, living their lives through their children? To some extent, to some extent, m- maybe not living their life through their children, but maybe not living their life through themselves, ah. uh, focusing so much on on, them, on the kids that they're forgetting who they are. And thinking uh, about what their own goals are, too, and what their own passions are for life. Right, right. So we, so, so the shifting the focus from when homeschooling is hard, the things that you can't control, what are the things that you can control? You know, as homeschooling moms, we can control, to an extent, our spiritual walk. Are we doing what we need to be doing to keep ourselves refreshed spiritually? Yes. That's something we can control. You know, we, we look at our husbands and we say, well, well, you're over-invested in your work. Well, the reality is, is that a lot of us are over-invested in homeschooling, too. In fact, is that a cause for burnout as well, where the, the mom becomes so invested, if you will, with the children that the marriage suffers? Oh, I believe. I believe so. Absolutely 125,000%. And this I know, I know, for that, taking time to take, you know, weekly dates together? Or? I know there was a time when I spent so little time and energy on my husband that, that he felt so left out because, you know, I thought I was in charge of the whole show, you know. This was my venture here, and I, I had to do everything just right with the kids, and it was a very stressful time. And I did reach a period of burnout where um, I had to cry out to the Lord and say, help, how am I going to get out of this? Yes, I don't want to quit. Help me. Yes, exactly. And that's where you say, well, well then how can, we, how can we work together? How can my husband become more integrated into homeschooling? In fact, you know, if we aren't together on the decision and on the vision for our children, it's going to be very difficult to be successful in the venture. Yes, it is. But so, is that something I'm sure one of the listeners are going to ask you is what do you do if you have a spouse who's not 100% supportive at the beginning? Oh, I, I think that's really, really tough. I 
for me to live out my faith says that I am subject to certain authorities in life. You know, I'm subject to God's authority, absolutely, no question about it, but I'm also subject to my husband's authority. And um, we consider ourselves to be enlightened, modern people, but the reality is is that if he is not 100% on board with something that I want to do, then I don't do it because um, because we need to be together on it for the sake of the children and also for the sake of uh, preserving sort of lines of authority. So, um, you know, whether or not whether or not that's a happy answer or not, I don't know. What I hear what I hear from women all the time at conferences is, uh, you know, my husband doesn't support homeschooling, and then I kind of talk to them a little bit more, and I say, well, how did he feel about it when you started? And and the, the mom will say, well, he didn't want me to do it. <laughs> so oh. it's kind of like. I'm going to get all in, I'm going to get all involved in this project, and then when I get in over my head and I ask you to help me, and you say no, I'm going to be mad at you. But you didn't want me to get into the project in the first place, so you really need to be on the same page with your husband with homeschooling. I think it's crucial. You know, we play so many roles as homeschooling moms. How can we do that more effectively? Oh, I love this question. You know, I I think I had a friend who um, said that the thing that she didn't like about homeschooling was that she felt more like a drill sergeant than a mom. Uh. (laughs) You know, I can kind of relate to that because before we started um, sort of the formal academics, I was kind of the milk and cookies mom, you know. We'd give them pudding and they could paint with the pudding on the table and we gave them uh, cans of shaving cream and let them, you know, play with the shaving cream on the front window. I mean, I was that kind of a mom, just that kind of having fun kind of mom. And then, we, of course, we had to start academics. And uh, I sort of lost that feeling of being sort of a fun mom and had to sort of relearn that education really fits in beautifully with living life, you know. Because education doesn't have to be have to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's just a part of life. I mean, yes, at some point in your children's career, they're going to have to sit down and do some math problems. <laughs> That's reality. But that doesn't mean that you can't have fun doing those math problems. I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, my little boy, who is now seven, he's really kinesthetic, and he loves to bounce. So I got this big old trampoline from Walmart. Well, it's not really big, but it was about twenty dollars. It's one of those home indoor trampolines. Oh, my son uses one too. Faith. Oh, he loves it. He bounces on the trampoline. He he learned his ABCs bouncing. He learned <laughs> how to count bouncing. Now we're drilling math facts while he's bouncing. It's just a great, great fun thing to do. I had one of my little girls, um, my second daughter, had trouble just grasping the concept of subtraction. We would do beans. We would do everything and to get her hands involved. Well, I had to get her whole body involved. I put some masking tape on the floor with numbers on it, and I said, well, now, Katie, when we add, I want you to jump ahead the numbers on the masking tape. When we subtract, oh. I want you to jump backwards the numbers on the masking tape. Like this, a jumping number line. This Yeah, this kid was so kinesthetic, she had to get her whole body involved. But she figured it out, and we had great fun with her jumping back and forth on the number line. What so, an excellent idea. So the, 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 the thing here is, you know, make learning a natural thing to do in your home. You know, somebody described the home as a laboratory for learning. And, um, and I think that's the real key here because more than choosing between roles as a homeschooler, homeschooling is about blurring the roles. You know, you don't have to be mom at 10 o'clock and the teacher at 10.15. Uh, it doesn't work that way. Uh, for example, I have a friend who, who reads novels to her kids while they fold the laundry. 
I thought, what a uh, fabulous idea. It's an excellent idea. Yeah, I mean, I'm usually the one folding the laundry and the kids are off playing, but gosh, you, you come in here and fold these towels and I'm going to read you this biography and we're going to have a great time together. In, in our home, we have some of the best conversations in the kitchen when we're cooking or cleaning. You know, I, I can remember talking to my two oldest daughters over, over washing dishes. They asked me, well, what's the difference between Republicans and Democrats? Or one night it was, uh, what's the death penalty and why should we be for it or against it? You know, to me, that's education. It's instilling my values, my husband's values and my values into our kids. Um, And answering their questions. Oh, and And they're obviously interested and ready for the information. And if we're not shutting them down, gosh, they have questions. They have questions. (laughs) And it's our job to kind of muddle along and see if we can give them the best answers we can give them. Do, Christine, do you mind? We've been asking the um, the guests because people homeschool in so many different ways. Can you give us a sample? I was going to ask what your typical day is like, but then instead, why don't you give me an idea of what your ideal homeschooling is, day is like? Yeah, I, I I would love to say there's an ideal homeschooling day, but there there really I mean, isn't. Just, I, just for your family. I can give you more of a typical day, which okay. Is, how you kind of organize how you organize your day and your time and your homeschooling just with your own family to kind of give us a sample for yeah. you. And thank you for being on the hot seat. Oh, I, I don't mind at all. I don't mind at all. Uh, I tend to be the early riser in the family, so I get up pretty early and I try to do a little bit of exercise in my own devotional time. I've tried doing my private devotions with the kids, and that didn't always work because of the different ages that we have involved. Um, so I'm an early riser. My husband leaves for work pretty early in the morning um, and then the kids are uh, I try to get them up fairly early during the school year and over the breakfast table we'll do some of our private devotion time we'll either read the Catherine Voss children's bible oh stop right there would you please spell oh, sure. that name and give the title again your last name is Voss V-O-S her first name is Catherine and I can't remember if it's with a K or a C but it's Catherine and it's called the children's story bible she wrote this Bible because she was frustrated with story Bibles for children. She felt that they were kind of dumbed down for kids. And so she wrote this very intelligent, very respectful children's Bible that tells uh, the story of, of um, God's creation and, and the birth of Christ and his ultimate crucifixion in very uh, respectful but um, reliable, you know, certainly true to the Bible fashion and my my children love it it reads like a story and they just really enjoy it so you're so you're having breakfast and you're kind of reading through that kind of starting the day then absolutely and and with my older kids now um we finished we finished this with the school year last year but we read um don't check your brains at the door (laughs) oh that was a good one it's called don't check your brains at the door and it's by josh mcdowell and it's just a little reading every day about all the things that um, come to the attention of teenagers about why they shouldn't believe. You know, he goes through the argument that uh, Christ was either a liar, a lunatic, or or I forget what the third one was. <laughs> the story of Christ shows that he was either a liar, a lunatic, or, or something else. And, and he, he goes through each of these arguments that your kids are, are going to encounter in the world uh, and, and talks them through how to stand up for their faith, how to defend their faith, give them scripture verses. It's just a wonderful book to read with your teenagers. So we'll, we'll, we'll do that in the morning. And, and then I like to get mass done first. Uh, when the kids are awake, 
And, um, you know. Uh, tell us that how many children you have and what their ages are. I have four. Um, they are 14, 13, 9, and 7. Now, my 14 and my 13-year-old are 17 months apart. And beginning in third grade, I started teaching them together. Okay. Um, so they will be ninth graders this fall. And, um, you know, they each have different strengths and different weaknesses, and so I recognize that in terms of what I expect from them. Um, my little nine-year-old is entering fourth grade. She has a learning disability. She has a language-based learning disability and ADHD. Uh, so she has been a major challenge for us to teach um, to read. She really, she's just now finally reading on grade level. Um, and... Um, my son is seven, and he is a bouncy boy. He is a bouncy, bouncy little boy, very kinesthetic learner. After the first three girls, we got very much into the girl culture, and then God sent us a Mack truck in the living room. So uh, he's been just lots of fun to have around and lots of fun to teach, very creative and imaginative and funny, 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 funny little guy. So what were we talking about? We were talking about like, like, so <laughs> Yeah, No, this is really good. So you go and you, you do math. Now, you, know, you have... Um, three different grade levels here. Three then. different grade levels. That's so how right. do you organize that? I I do the uh, circuit. I run the circuit. I go from child to child to child. Um, I have file folder games. I have extra uh, types of games that the kids can play while they're waiting for me. Um, I I do t I do try to be fairly organized in terms of my school day. Did you find that that helps you uh, reduce stress? It really does because if I'm if I'm too laid back about it, then we won't we won't get we won't get stuff done. Okay. And I'm uh, while I consider myself eclectic because we we use materials from a variety of publishers. I'm I'm pretty traditional in terms of you know we have a structure, we have goals, we have things we're going to do that year. So you have a file folder for math for each child, and you work with one child at a time. And when you move on to the next child, the first child or the other children are doing games or some type of material that's in the folder for them? Right, exactly, okay. exactly. Or, you know, workbook. We use workbooks uh, for the children for um, algebra next year. We're going to be using video text algebra. It's a short video presentation, and then they do some, um, some, some problems, some sample problems after the video presentation, and then I would circle back to them to go over them. So about how much time will you spend on math? Uh, probably about half an hour to 45 minutes. Okay, and then what do you do next? Generally, I would move into language arts with the kids. Uh, you know, for the little guys, that's handwriting and a little bit of grammar and um, a lot of reading out loud, phonics, that kind of thing. So I would work with them on that. The older kids, uh, well, in the fall, they'll be, we're going to be doing sunlight for ninth grade. So they're going to be doing a lot of independent reading. Okay. Um, which will take up a lot of their time. But they also will have, they're doing a book on analogies, they're doing some Latin and Greek root words, um, things like that. So we'll, we'll cycle around through language arts. And then generally, it's probably about time for lunch then. Uh, and then in the afternoon, we tend to do our science and our history in the afternoon. Um, the older kids are also doing um, uh foreign language on a computer. One is doing French, one is doing Spanish. We're using Rosetta Stone this year. Yes. Which they really, really enjoy. Let's spell that for everyone too. That's R O S E T T A. Rosetta Stone, right. And it's uh it's very, very good. Not it, it's it's um not an overemphasis on grammar, but the grammar, the learning the grammar is kinda naturally built into it. I, I just I really, really like it. And they are responding to it beautifully, so 
So what time does your homeschooling day end? Well, whenever it's done. <laughs> about how many hours a day do you think you spend? Boy, you know, it really varies because if there's something very, very exciting going on in the afternoon, it's amazing how quickly those children will get through stuff, you know? <laughs> there's something just terribly exciting about to happen. It's very motivating. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, however, if it's kind of a laid back, not a lot of incentives built into the day, you know, they'll take their time. So there is no typical amount of time. And then certainly they're doing a lot of reading at night, too. We did a, a survey at homeschool.com about a month ago, and um, I looked at the results. I asked them, what is your biggest challenge or your biggest problem um, you know, facing you with homeschooling? And I thought that the answer was going to be something about homeschooling, you know, how to find curriculum material. But it wasn't. The biggest challenge people had is managing time. Oh, yeah. Isn't that the truth? There's, there's too much to do and there's not enough time to do it, especially when the children are younger. Uh, as they get older, we're, I'm really reaping the benefit of, of forcing my children to do chores now because with older children, they're capable of doing so much to help just because they've been required to help since they were young. So one so, of the keys then for managing time is getting your kids more involved where they can help, especially if they're older and they can help with the Oh, chores. absolutely. My kids, uh, during the school year, um, the two older ones, they'll have one night a week where they cook dinner. So oh, really? I, I'm excused from cooking dinner for that night. <laughs> well, that's great. Please give us some more advice then on managing time. Yes. Well, that, that's certainly one. Um, they, uh, my older children do their own laundry. I, I don't even touch it. I don't go near it. Um, because one of our daughters has a learning disability, she she requires more uh, time. She just uh, she takes more time to get her work done during the day, and she requires more time from me. She requires more checking from me to make sure things are, are she's getting it. So I have my older children take turns working with her. Ah, uh, last year we worked on a um, sensory integration therapy program on a computer, which would take about 20 minutes a day, and. The person standing by watching really didn't have to do anything other than make sure she was still attending. So um, I had my older children take turns with her sitting by the computer while she did it just to make sure she finished it for the day. And uh, because they're, you know, we all help each other out in the family, they, they did it. They didn't always do it cheerfully, <laughs> but they did it. And once again, this is kind of helping mom, isn't it, where she's oh. not having to, trying to do everything. Absolutely. You have to work together. With, you know, When you get more than one or two kids, uh, they've got you outnumbered. <laughs> so you've got to teach them to get along and help each other. And, you know, and it's not always, my kids are not always like, oh, how may I help you, sister? <laughs> yes. More likely, it's, you mean I have to help her again? <laughs> but uh, but they do it. I mean, that's just the way we do it around here. We would not be able to survive. And when we have foster children in, which we which we do frequently, it's um, it's a family mission project. So you really do have to stay organized to keep things flowing and everyone and everyone has to be involved. Everyone has to be involved. You can't sit on the sidelines. Um, you have to be. I, I I always challenge the children when they're when I feel like they're getting very selfish in their request for the day. I, I say to them, well, what have you done to serve the family today? Oh, that's nice. Uh, and especially in the summer here, when the kids are, you know, I mean, we're we're all resting and we're having a wonderful summer. But sometimes, especially my teenagers, they you know they get very very selfish. And so I kind of bring them back to reality and say, well, you know, yes, it's summer, but what have you done to serve the family today? And letting our kids know that we can't do it without them. That's and right. And we can't function unless we all do the best that we can. Right. But then not taking it for granted. I find, especially with my 14-year-old, I just, I lavish her with praise. If she, 
if she, you know, watches the kids for an hour while I run out to the grocery store or something, oh, honey, I so much appreciate oh. that. And I just, I remember the time when I couldn't do anything out of the house with, you know, without having to get a babysitter or something. And I just so much appreciate you. And she just, you know, she loves it. She just oh, loves it. That's excellent. Christine, do you, we have 70 people on the call. Do you mind if we open it up so Absolutely. you can take some questions? I do. Unfortunately, it. we, oh, your, your interview was so terrific. We only have about five minutes left. But we'll just take as many as we can. Okay. And then if they have any other questions for you, would you mind um, giving us your contact information? What is the address for your website and your email address? Yeah, um, I have a website which needs some attention right now. It's a little bit outdated, but it's called www.homefieldadvantage.org. Uh, one of my uh, clever daughters actually thought of that because we... We want to give our kids the home field advantage in, in life and, and in education. So it's homefieldadvantage.org. And then our email is fieldfamily at homefieldadvantage.org. So that's F-I-E-L-D-F-A-M-I-L-Y at homefieldadvantageadvantageadvantageadvantageadvantageadvantageadvantageadvantageadvantageadvantageadvantageadvantageadvantageadvantageadvantageadvantageadvantageadvantageadvantageadvantageadvantageadvantageadvantageadvantage
So I'm going to talk about the husbands thing because, you know, I do believe we need to honor our husbands, but I also think that very often we need to educate our husbands because sometimes they will have an attitude or, um, you know, a misconception about something that's based on something they haven't researched, something they haven't looked at and thought about. So sometimes uh, it's very helpful to give your husband something to read. There's a fabulous book written by Chris Klicka, who is with the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. That's called A-L-I-K-A. A-L-I-K-A. It's called The Right Choice. And for some reason, it's very, very persuasive for men. It's written very, you know, it's a statistical analysis of why homeschooling is superior. And men, I don't know why, are very, very persuaded by this book. So sometimes giving your your husband something to read, something to think about and, and kind of chew on, can make a huge difference in terms of getting him changing his heart about homeschooling. And have you noticed too that sometimes suggesting a trial period yes. takes the pressure and the fear off. Let's just try it for one semester or for one year, and then we right. can reevaluate. Especially uh, for a five-year-old child, a five-year-old child is going to get nothing but good out of a trial period of a year at home. So you might, you know, give your husband the book to read. Ask him to pray about it and say, honey, let's just commit, give me one year to try this with my child and then we'll sit down and reevaluate it. And if you really, really feel that this is the wrong thing, then I'll abide by your wishes. Thank you. That's excellent. Another question for Christine? I have a question. Uh-huh. Okay. My name is April from Rhode Island. Hey, April. Um, hi. I have four children and I'm wondering how you deal with the uh, different age groups. I have a third grader, a second grader, uh, one that's starting kindergarten, and a three-year-old. Yeah. And well, my, my second and third graders are, are kind of half self-taught. They're really good at it. Uh-huh. But my K-5 needs a lot of, you know, learning how to read and write. And so my three-year-old, she's very mischievous. Oh, yeah. That, that learning to read period is, boy, the hardest. Yeah. Period. Boy, once, once they're reading, you're a little bit off. Christine, but, I'm sorry. Let's repeat that question again. There was a little bit of background noise. Uh-huh. Someone's in the kitchen. If you would be so kind to push star and then six, that will mute your phone. So the question was, how do you teach different age children at the same time? Yeah, that, that can be such a challenge. And the, the key here is to combine when you can. You know, there was a time when I was doing four separate curriculums for my children. We had four math programs, which you're going to have anyway. We had four history programs, four science programs, and I, and I just realized the folly of that. So you teach together whenever you can. You teach all the children history. You, you find a topic and you adapt it to each grade level or each ability level. You teach all the children science together. You know, you find a topic, you adapt it to their ability and their grade level. You absolutely learn the Bible together and learn doctrine and everything. You study all of that together, memorize prayers and scripture together. And then when you have to break the children off because of ages and abilities, you know, things like math and language arts, you teach them separately. But whenever you can, you teach them together. Otherwise, you're not, you're not going to be able to meet all of their needs. In fact, we have uh, an interview coming up on how to teach different age children at the same time. Yes, and our guest is Valerie Bent on that, and that's—that's I mean, that's the biggest challenge, isn't it? Our classroom issue. Valerie Bent is fabulous. She she has just uh, reissued one of her books on creating unit studies, and that's really what we're talking about here. Whether it's history or science, you're kind of talking about a unit study, because you might give an older child, say, you gave your third grader, you know, go go write a paragraph about this topic or and then you would give your your kindergartner you'd say well draw a picture about this topic 
So you're really talking about a unit study approach where all the children study the same topic together at their different levels of ability. Lovely. And that interview with Valerie Bent is going to be Wednesday, August 4th from 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific time. She is fabulous. Tune in for that. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So we have um, five minutes left. Let's take care of a few uh, housekeeping issues. Um, For those of you who are product testers on the call, let me uh, thank you very much. We have a special comment form for you created on the website, um, homeschool.com forward slash comments, C-O-M-M-E-N-T-S. If you would go in and put in the name of the the, uh, guest for this is Christine Field, C-H-R-I-S-E-I-E Field. And we certainly would appreciate your feedback and advice on that. Um, if you would like to become a product tester for homeschool.com, um, you're very Hello. welcome. I know we have a lot of uh, guests on these calls. You're very welcome to sign up at www.homeschool.com forward slash product tester. P-R-O-D-U-C-E-T-E-S-T-E-R. So, Christine, in um, closing... What is your your final word of advice on a hope for the harried homeschooler and how to avoid homeschool burnout? Mm, my my final bit of advice. I love these little wrap ups here. Because there's so much. There's just so <laughs> there's no pressure at all. There's so much that you want to say and there's so much that you want to share from your heart. But I, I want to tell a story. My oldest child is 14, and she was always a big lap sitter. You know, she always wanted to sit on mom's lap. Well, she still likes to sit on mom's lap, but those days are really, really coming to a close. This is a child who is becoming a woman, and the 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 time that I have with her is short. And um, I, I I constantly keep that in my mind that God has only given us my my children, our children, for a short period of time. And how are we going to spend that time? Are we going to be stressing over whether they've done every single problem on the page of math? Are we going to be uh, yelling at them because their rooms are dirty? Or are we going to be sitting with them in our laps and making memories with them? Because pretty soon they won't fit in our laps. Pretty soon they won't want to sit in our laps. Uh, and, and pretty soon they'll be out in the world. So how have we, how have we built relationship with them? And how have we helped them to build a relationship with their God? Because that's the true test of our success in homeschooling. Christine, that's lovely. Thank you. Thank you very, very that much very for being our guest today and for speaking with us about this. I, there was so much great information, wasn't there, folks? Yeah, thank you very much. Yes, thank you.